0: Welcome to the second of our keep revising through the pandemic series. I hope you, your colleagues, and families are all really well and healthy.
1: I can feel your love pulling me up from the underground. I don't need my drugs. We could be more than just part-time lovers. I can...
0: We're sticking with pediatrics and covering microcolon, a very popular exam topic both for the written and the vivas. We'll use one of my favourite songs ever. So here we go microcolon. We could be more than just we'll begin by defining exactly what a microcolon is. Now, in the second and third trimester, the foetus is constantly swallowing amniotic fluid. When you add in bile, gastric juices and all the shedding of the intestinal cells, all that stuff mixed together, you get meconium and meconium distends the colon. So if any part of the colon has not been distended with meconium in utero and hasn't therefore been used, then you end up with a microcolon microcolon is therefore just an unused colon, and these patients are going to present very soon after birth with a distended abdomen. They'll get a plain x-ray first of all, which will show dilated bowel loops, and then invariably they will end up in the fluoro room for an enema study. On that enema study, you're going to see one of three things. You'll either see a completely small colon, so an entire microcolon, You'll see a short segment of microcolon or you'll see a short segment of colon, a transition point and then a distended proximal colon. So one of three scenarios. And it's very handy for you that each of these scenarios has a limited differential diagnosis. So we are going to go through the four main differentials for a microcolon and how you tell them apart. After the next 10 minutes or so these should be nice and clear for you. Let's begin with meconium ileus. These patients invariably have cystic fibrosis and they have a defect in the sodium pump. So they produce very, very thick, sticky meconium. The meconium likes to sit in the terminal ileum and block it in utero. So nothing gets passed. What you then get is proximal to this blockage, the ileum is distended And distally, the colon is unused, so you have a complete microcolon. So once you do your enema, you'll see a full length, small calibre microcolon. Contrast will reflux back into the terminal ileum. And because there's meconium sitting there, you'll see a filling defect there. It's often described as looking like pellets, multiple pellets. Sitting in the terminal ileum, some places describe it as a soap bubble appearance of meconium. But what you'll get is a complete microcolon contrast into terminal ileum. And within that contrast, you will see multiple filling defects, whether it's pellets, whether it's a soap bubble appearance. Some places even call it a ground glass appearance. But essentially, you're seeing thick, sticky meconium pellets in the terminal ileum and a microcolon. The enema that you've just done is likely to wash away and treat the meconium that's blocking off the terminal ileum. So the enema is both diagnostic and therapeutic. These patients will obviously need to go on to have a CF sweat test and management for cystic fibrosis. I can feel your
1: pulling me up from the underground. I don't need my drugs. We could be more than just part-time lovers. I can feel your touch picking me up from the underground. I don't need my drugs. We could be more than just part-time lovers. I can feel your touch picking me up from the underground.
0: Need- Next, we have the Atreusias. Nobody really knows why babies have a random atretic segment of bowel. The leading theory is that ischemic insult in utero will obliterate the intestinal lumen and the baby can then end up either with segmentation of the bowel or a fibrous band can remain where the bowel lumen was supposed to be. Atresia can happen anywhere along the bowel, jejunum, ileum, or colon. And Imaging and the clinical presentation is obviously going to depend on where the defect is. In the case of jejunal or ileal atresia, you're going to see multiple dilated loops of bowel on the abdominal x-ray. With ileal-jejunal atresia, when you do the enema, you'll see a complete microcolon, and then contrast will reflux into the terminal ileum and stop at a blind ending bit of ileum. So compare that with meconium ileus, where you also have a complete microcolon. The contrast, again, also goes into the terminal ileum, but there you see the soap bubble or pellet-like meconium, which is blocking the terminal ileum. With ileal atresia, you also have a microcolon, and again, contrast refluxes back, but you have a blind ending bit of bowel where the contrast will stop. That's ileal atresia. Similarly, you can get atresia within the colon. The mechanism is the same. It's nowhere near as common as the ileal or jejunal atresias. And as you'd expect, on the enema, you'll see a microcolon up until a blind-ending bit of large bowel. That's fairly straightforward. Ileal and colonic atresia.
1: I can feel your dirt. From the underground, I don't need my drugs. We could be more than just part time.
0: Next is Hirschsprung's disease. And what is Hirschsprungs? It is loss of the ganglion cells in the submucosal and intermuscular layers of bowel wall. Because we lose all these neurons, what happens is the bowel cannot distend properly and it stays narrow. So you have this narrowed area of bowel and then dilatation upstream from that narrowing. So it's therefore a functional obstruction. Physically, the lumen is patent, but the obstruction is functional. Hirschsprung's disease, or the aganglionic segment of bowel, will start at the rectum and then extend proximally. Most babies, up to 80%, have what's known as short segment disease, which only involves the rectum. So the rectum, like we've said, doesn't distend properly, it can't distend, and then the sigmoid, just proximal to the rectum, will dilate. And that gives you the classic inverse rectosigmoid ratio, basically meaning that normally the rectum should be bigger than the sigmoid. In Hirschsprungs, the sigmoid is bigger than the rectum. In addition to this inverted rectosigmoid ratio, you're also going to see a transition point where the colon changes calibre. And it's important to remember that the radiological transition point you're seeing, so where it changes calibre on the enema, doesn't necessarily correlate to the surgical transition point, so where the bowel becomes aganglionic. And of course, Hirschsprungs can involve more than just the rectum. The vast majority have short segment disease, but in some cases it can involve the entire colon, so it will start at the rectum always and extend a distance. It can extend to involve the entire colon, so you get a complete microcolon. And then, of course, it becomes difficult to differentiate that from other causes. That's called total colonic Hirschsprungs, and then you have a diagnostic dilemma on your enema. Some things that can help you in total colonic Hirschsprungs, you'd expect to see contrast reflux into the terminal ileum. You obviously won't see pellets of meconium in the terminal ileum like you would with meconium ileus and you're not going to see a blind ending bit of ileum like you would with ileal atresia. The gold standard if there's diagnostic doubt but even if there isn't the gold standard for Hirschsprung's disease diagnosis is a suction biopsy. So again nice and easy Hirschsprung's disease is an aganglionic bit of bowel, usually just the rectum, giving you this inverse rectosigmoid ratio, where the sigmoid is bigger than the rectum. You can get total colonic Hirschsprung's, in which case you have a complete microcolon. All these patients require, as a gold standard, suction biopsy for diagnosis. Finally, small left colon syndrome. This is also confusingly known as meconium plug syndrome and functional immaturity of the colon. What this is essentially is a plug of meconium which is blocking the left colon, giving you a small left colon as the name suggests. We don't know why children get this. We know that the mothers are often diabetic And rarely it's associated with maternal magnesium sulfate for preeclampsia. But as the name suggests, all you really need to know is you'll see a small left colon on the enema containing filling defects. These filling defects have been described as soap bubble appearance and these are just thick plugs of meconium. There'll be an abrupt change of colon calibre from the small left colon to the normal splenic flexure and the remainder of the bowel is going to be normal. This will sort itself out. The enema that you use to diagnose it will often relieve the obstruction. These patients do not have cystic fibrosis. There is no association and they're usually fine. So that's nice and straightforward. Small left colon syndrome is a small left colon caused by plugs of meconium. There'll be an abrupt change in calibre at the splenic flexure where the rest of the colon proximal to this will be completely normal. This is all very straightforward and the only issue that I can think you might have with this is the nomenclature because they might refer to it in the exam as meconium plug syndrome and you'll confuse it with meconium ileus. So make sure you have the names clear in your head Meconium ileus is the one that has the small pellets in the terminal ileum and those patients have cystic fibrosis. Meconium plug syndrome are the plugs of meconium in the left colon. This is the small left colon syndrome or functional immaturity. These patients are normal. They usually have diabetic mothers, but they don't have cystic fibrosis and they're usually fine. Get those names clear in your head. But that's all for. they They're very straightforward, very easy to remember. So that's it. That's your differentials for microcolon. We've been through meconium ileus, the atresias, Hirschsprung's disease and small left colon syndrome. Hope you're all well and healthy and we'll see you next time.